Let's be honest here. Strategy is essential in business and in life, but mindset, mindset is the single biggest factor for success for entrepreneurs. And I love talking about this topic. I could talk about it until the cows came home and we don't even have any cows on our property, although we could, the neighbor does. The point is we should always be working on our mindset. It is something that we can't leave to chance. And it is, as I just said, the single biggest defining factor in your life as to how abundant you feel, how successful you feel and how confident you are, how you can cope with fear, with your inner critic, with the naysayers in life. Your mindset is everything. And so we need to be working on it all the damn time, which sounds exhausting. I know. And sometimes it can be, but man, it is worth the effort. So I'm really excited to bring you a special guest for today with a fantastic accent. I do love my Scottish friends, and this one is no exception. So without further ado, let me tell you who you're going to hear from right after this intro. Hey, I'm Natalie Sisson, a Kiwi, best-selling author, speaker, podcaster, vlogger, and business coach dedicated to helping you tap into your potential and get paid to be you. Joe Trodden is a mindset coach and has been for nine years with a specific focus on entrepreneurs for the last five. He's worked with around 300 entrepreneurs across all sectors. And they typically come to him to work on the next level of their strategy growth and develop their mindset to become effective entrepreneurial leaders. So it's a bit of a treat that we have him on the show today, because as I said right at the beginning, mindset is the single biggest factor in success for us entrepreneurs. And the journey is incredibly difficult at this stage, especially when you're starting out. And it's often a tipping point as to whether your business is going to reach its full potential. In fact, for that to happen you as a leader need to accelerate your own development. Otherwise, you're going to be sinking, right? There's so many things when you first start a business that can go wrong and your mindset is the last thing that you want to have fall to being a victim of, oh, the circumstances or excuses or industry factors or the economy because it's the one thing that you can actually control outside of all those things that I just mentioned. And the key challenge is that the brain employs any number of subconscious processes which have to be surfaced. If you as an entrepreneur are going to become the best version of yourself, you might have learned some of those in my previous episode with Rob Scott. If you haven't tuned into that one, please do check out episode 60. It is awesome. And now I'm following that on with Joe because his work is about linking the neuroscience of mindset development to practical actions that are designed to challenge the blockers that we all have and enable us to work through those defined stages of leveling up. I so want to level up more than ever this year because I think circumstances are dictating that we all find the best version of ourselves right now, right? So on this podcast, we talk about the entrepreneurial journey from idea to scale. We talk about those common mindset blockers to your success and how to smash through them. We talk about entrepreneurs and fear and what's really going on in your head and what to do about it. And we talk about my favorite topic, obviously, superpowers. How do you find your superpower and leverage that unique set of abilities that are programmed into your brain to go along with your beautiful skills and experience you can get paid to be you? And finally, we talk about decision-making as an entrepreneur, how to improve your odds. And I've made some really key decisions in the last few years that have 
massively helped me to be where I'm at today versus even a couple of years ago where some of those decisions were less than admirable and really set me back. So again, this is why mindset is just so key to everything you do. I'm going to stop talking now. This was probably the longest intro, but I just wanted to set the scene. So let's dive in. Here is Joe and I discussing your mindset. Joe Trodden, welcome to the Untapped Show. So good to have you here. It's great to be here, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me on. And so wonderful to have another Scottish accent on the show, <laughs> which I was just saying to you, my listeners are, are well used to now because I have one special friend who does a lot of shows with me just because he's got such great insight. And I think people are used to the beautiful accent now. I love listening to it. Such good memories for me. And I've personally been to Edinburgh, which is, a, I understand where you're based, it's a beautiful city, like absolutely blew me away. And I think I also went there in the summertime, which was helpful. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And if your listeners can understand a Glaswegian, then I think I should be okay. Yes, yes, you're very mild in comparison, <laughs> more of a lilting James Bond kind of thing going on. Um, oh, too kind, too kind. <laughs> so I was going to ask, essentially, so people get to know you a little bit more. Who are sure. you and how do you tap into your potential and get paid to be you? So I um, pivoted around for a while about who I actually was. Um, you know, the, the short story being be on that path of, you know, you do quite well in school, so you're supposed to go to university, then you're supposed to get a well-paying career and waking up about sort of early 30s, I think early 32 maybe, to just what am I actually doing? You know, I don't care about this job that I'm in. You know, I don't. the money is irrelevant. And it was then just sort of making different pivots in my life. So moving across from, it was an IT projects job that I'd ended up in. And I went to work for a youth charity for a while. I was volunteering in mental health. And, you know, there's a common theme there when I started looking for it, which was about people's heads, you know, and human potential. I'm really interested in impact in the world. I think that that's driven a lot through um, business. So I went and looked at social enterprise. I set up my own social enterprise for a bit. And then I started working with entrepreneurs. And it was when I was with that client group that everything just fell in sync. So it was a series of pivots. Um, and it was certainly driven from a sort of a wake-up moment. And then looking back the way, it looks like it made sense. But it, it wasn't really planned that way. It was just, what do I like about this? What's the next move from here? What's the next move? And just being really conscious and active about your choices. I love hearing that. And thanks for also not saying that you had it all figured out. I mean, literally nobody does. But also that it was a conscious path that you took. You saw where things took you. You listened to what people were wanting. You were curious about things. And then you continued to, I assume, upskill in those areas, get experience in that so that you could kind of weave it all together into what you do now, which is really about helping to become clear on who they are, what their mission is, and uncover their best mindset. Because we were talking before, but I do honestly think that entrepreneurs in particular have such big mindset issues that if they were removed or minimized, would allow them to succeed in so many ways. And of all the things that I teach and all the experiences I've had with my customers and my clients, it always comes back to mindset. So it's, it's what I've been learning more about and getting the tools and frameworks for over the years. I still don't have enough of them. So I always love it when <laughs> I can have an expert on here to help 
share what I'm attempting to teach and also discover myself, right? Like I love experimenting on myself and we all go through these things. So do you want to share a little bit of some of the, what you've seen over the years are the most common mindset blockers to our own success as entrepreneurs and how we can go about smashing through them? Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, if I look at the uh, the work that you do and a lot of the way that you shape the courses and your online uh, programs and things like that, there seems to be a lot of uh, thought leader entrepreneur style. Is that a key demographic? Because I do think there's there's them and those that are trying to build that enormous business. Which one would you like to, to talk think, about? You know, to be honest, I think that a lot of that emphasis comes from me and that I love to think of people as thought leaders. And I do believe that mm. almost anybody can become a bit of a leader in their space. But I would say that most people listening, they do want to make an impact no matter how small or humble that is. But they're really just kind of, in many ways, it's got all the challenges of running a business, getting paid consistently, trying to do the work that they love, often getting mm. caught up in the overwhelm and just all the other things that come along with it. And I think one of the biggest things is staying true to your vision when you've got a million little things that feel like they're grabbing your attention and on your to-do list. So I can't speak on behalf of everybody who's listening. I wish they could grab the mic and go, no, Nat, it's this, it's this. But (laughs) I think I've learned enough from them over the years that I'd say that's that's pretty true. So that everybody in business, I believe, wants to be there to help or make a difference or make an impact. But it's, it's more the things that, what are the common things that derail us? Yeah, often. So I'd say the businesses are quite varied, but yeah. So if you look at like the thought leader type business, maybe that lifestyle business, they want to carve out a niche and become the expert um, in their field. There's an amazing uh, Hungarian mathematician, well, he's not with us anymore, and he is called Paul Erdos. And there was this Erdos number. So if you'd worked directly with Paul Erdos, you had a number one Erdos number. If you'd worked with somebody who'd worked with Paul Erdos, you had a, a number two Erdos number. And like that type of thought leadership's really exciting. And for those people that is, I would put myself in that space, you know, this kind of thought leader space. And the key things that hold us back here are truly leaning into our own expertise. There's a lot of fear out there. The challenge can be in that space that something that is so passion is driven within you, you know, it is so wrapped up in your identity. It feels like your life purpose. And then when you uncover it, because I was on autopilot for so long in that IT job, like when you actually uncover it, it can be quite frightening to think, mm. you know, I'm going to go all out on this piece of my identity. So intrinsic to who you are. So it's really, it's really scary to put yourself out there and you forget what it's like to not know anything that you're talking about. You forget how valuable the things are that you've got. And it can feel like you're a bit of a fraud and who am I to talk about this and but there's so many different ways to look at a topic and so many different ways to speak to an audience that when you're on that path, you've just got to lean into it. There are strategies to do that. I'd certainly recommend being in a group of people because if you isolate, then you spend too much time in your own head and you can overthink. Definitely getting into a group of people and getting accountability for putting that video out or contacting that person, You know, just getting something that's going to help you to push outside of your comfort zone. I do think that the challenges are different if you are somebody who is building that first team. But you're building that first team. I work with guys a lot of the time that are sub-15 when they're building a team, and they're making a different type of transition from entrepreneur to entrepreneurial leader. And the mindset challenges there are like around letting things go, around turning down opportunities, because typically to get to that point, 
you know, you've been very opportunity hungry, you've been grabbing things, you've been very adaptive. But then that same mindset can actually cause a bit of chaos in your team because it creates that uncertainty. So there are different mindset shifts. And the key thing is just being self-aware and understanding what you're bringing into each situation so that you can start to use mechanisms to address it. Yeah, I love that. And I appreciate that you've just pointed out that mindsets are specific to what people are going through at what stage of their business you know if you're just starting out there's oh so many things <laughs> that can derail <laughs> you and there's also a little bit of that ignorance is bliss right like i think when i started out for sure i had all the reasons why oh my gosh who am i to do this i don't know anything sure etc et but also there was that kind of oh but is this possible and you know i haven't tried this and you're learning so much that sure. you actually make progress just through learning and doing i think it's when you kind of get that a couple of years in you've had some successes that's where i start to see and for myself too the interesting stuff come up, the things that you didn't have any doubts about before suddenly start appearing. It's almost like you level up on every scale and then you start questioning where you're at on that level. So you, do I need to be more knowledgeable? Do I need to have more skills? Do I need to charge more? And with that, what else do I need to do to be able to take that next leap? Do you find that there's, you see different scale, I, I guess, mindset issues when they're just starting out through to even super successful? Oh, 100%. So, I mean, there's, there are different, it depends on people's definitions of entrepreneur. I don't actually class myself as an entrepreneur. It's just my own semantics. For me, that entrepreneur is trying to build that big business. They're looking for investment. It's going to go up to something really scalable. That doesn't excite me as much as being the expert in my niche. You know, I don't really want to be a CEO. I want to be the guy to come to. I want to be Paul Erdos. I want to be the guy in my space. If you look at the startup journey, it's so hard for people who are not adaptive when they come out because the first plan is meaningless. I mean, as soon as you've written it, you might as well put it in the shredder. You have to be prepared for that to go wrong. And that's really hard for some mindset types to let go of this crystallized plan. So that can be really challenging. And the fact that nobody cares when you start, you could have the cure for broken arms and people are walking past you with broken arms, but nobody's buying one from you because you haven't really sharpened your message or you've no credibility yet. And maybe your friend will buy a broken, the fix for the broken arm off them. But you know what I mean? It's, it's so hard to sort of get noticed and then you start to doubt yourself. So you've got to have that level of confidence. And again, I think it's about having that peer group around you to push you through. And then it was interesting you were talking about like that next level. So when you've got that traction and you do have the steady stream of clients, this thing about actually, could I charge more? And how deep does my offer go? Like, is it time for me to change that? Do I risk, you know, do I stick or twist almost? You know, do I risk going up to that next level? The critical thing is, I think for me, when you get on that line of what is really important to you, then the fact that you ask yourself that question about should I pursue up to that next level means that you should. Like there is a reason, I noticed somebody was uh, on about intuition on one of your podcasts. There's a reason that you're actually having those questions now, that that's not chance that that's happening. It's, it's everything telling you is time to go up to the next level and your brain going, oh no, this is now scary and we were safe and what, what are you doing? But the fact that, that um, those thought patterns are coming in is the indicator that it is time to go up again. Yeah, I love that. And I think you're so right. Like usually that 
gut instinct you're having or that fear or that trepidation or anything that may be holding you back is usually a sign that you're on the edge of the comfort zone and about to Mm. enter into the growth zone. In my mind, like sometimes it's just your gut or your intuition or your head telling you this is not a wise business move or actually you should be focusing on something else. But typically I think it's because you're on the edge and it's scary stepping out of the comfort of what you now know and do to go up Mm. to the next level. But if we want to grow and if we want to be leading learners, we should always be on that edgy level. And so you're pretty much always going to be feeling uncomfortable, which I think (laughs) probably gets, feels a little bit better after getting used to that feeling. Like you navigate it a bit better. You kind of make peace with it. Would you say that's true? Yeah. I think that, do you know the hero's journey? Have you heard of the hero's journey? I have. Yeah. But I'm happy for you to like go over it as well. Yeah, so like the hero's journey came from a guy called Joseph Campbell, and I love it. I think it's a great thing for um, your listeners to have a look at. But it's basically saying that this growth happens in cycles. I'm not sure about like constantly being outside of your comfort zone. Like some people say, you should always you should get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what that means because I don't understand that because they're just still comfortable, right? I like the hero's journey in principle of uh, cycles. So it talks about the status quo and then you'll have this awakening and then you start looking around for this call to action. And when you do that, there is always a call to action. Like when you have that moment, just like I did leaving that IT job, something is there that gives you an opportunity to go up to your next level. And then you do something called crossing the threshold. And this is where you start to enter that transformative world and you do start to change and develop. And it's really scary. But what I love about Joseph Campbell's model is when you go there, there is always somebody who's willing to help you. Like there's always this, like a guide or a mentor. Every time in my life where I've wanted to make that leap, there has been somebody there. Now, I don't know about universal attractions and stuff like that. But again, I would challenge anybody to to say that hasn't been the case, that when they've gone out and they've taken action and they're looking to develop and they're trying their hardest, that people haven't put their hand out to help them. And then you get this transformation, you know, something in you, you let go of something, you level something up, and that becomes your new norm. And then you revert back to like a status quo, but you've gone up to your next level. And then it's that choice that we were talking about that the itch starts again. And at some point, you take the next call to action and you go through that loop again. And I just really love that as a, a model of development, because it's, just gives you that permission to enjoy some of those moments when you've leveled up and not constantly feel that you're not doing well enough or you're you know that you shouldn't be happy with where you are even for a second I just think that's it's a tough principle no I really love that and thanks so much for explaining that again because I agree it would be exhausting if you were always on that edge but Mm. also knowing at which point you're tending towards complacency because I've definitely been there and I think it was, I needed to like fall back in love with my business and the process and the art and mm. the art of learning and up leveling. Sure. When I got to a point where I was feeling like I, I knew enough, I was good enough, great enough, even knowledgeable enough that I could be, I guess that person that people did look to for that. And there's a point at which you kind of need to step back and go, that's great that people look to me for that. How can I continue to grow? Otherwise mm. it can be a bit of a dangerous place to be. I'd love to just sort of segue then into (laughs) the difference between, I guess, being on the edge of comfort and also genuine fear. Like when feeling fear, do you want to explain what's really going on in our head and what to do about it? Because I have my take on fear and I I think it's a fantastic topic. I'm personally a big fan of fear for many reasons, but I would love to know your take on it because it's probably 
the number one or two thing that most people bring up always. Sure. I mean, it's like, if you're at, at its core, is always psychosocial. This thing of often hear this, I don't care what anybody thinks. Mm. And it's not true. We are social creatures. You, you can't live in this world and not take your cues from what is happening around about you. There's a difference here between I don't care what people think and I don't care what everyone thinks mm. because you shouldn't care what everyone thinks, right? But there are going to be a group of people that you're using as some sort of benchmark that you want love and respect from. And it's often what I see with entrepreneurs and, and probably within my, well, definitely, I guess, within myself as well, is that there is like some benchmark that you're fearful of that you'll be rejected from, that you won't make it into that next circle of growth. And if you look at it at a neurological level, I mean, it is your amygdala. Your amygdala is a tiny almond-shaped uh, thing inside your brain, and it is the fight-or-flight zone. And mm. it responds when that kicks in, it shuts down your neocortex, which is to do with your logic and reason, and then it is, you're just in that panic mode. Now, you feel that very acutely in certain situations. You know, the people who are terrified of public speaking, or you are actually in a, dang- a danger situation. You get that physiological thing that you can feel your body actually shutting down. But at the low level, it's still interfering with your rationality. Because rationally, you can always say to yourself, yeah, but it's more important that I have a go. And, you know, if they don't respect me for trying, then, you know, I I don't actually want their love and respect. But the emotional um, tangle is tricky. So, I mean, for some of those fears, I think it's good to just get them out of your head around whose love and respect are you trying to get? And what is the action that you're about to take that you think might cost you that? Because sometimes when you really vocalize it or you write it down, you can challenge it in a different way from it just washing around inside your head. Yeah, I love that. 100% writing it down, acknowledging it, going into the what is the worst that could happen, like really feeling into that fear. I'm always really surprised when I do that versus paying lip service to it that I realize mm. it's not a big fear at all. It's like, it's just, mm. you know, it's a passing fleeting thing. It's probably got some relevance. Maybe it's based on something that happened to me before and I'm just kind of pulling up that pattern, wondering if it's going to happen again. But the minute you kind of mm. acknowledge it and go, well, if that did happen, how would I feel? It's like, ah, oh, hmm, not actually that bad. Interesting, I'd love to come back to your point about I don't care what people think because I don't think I've ever said that in my life. I know that I do care. I also know mm. that I'll go ahead and do things even if... <laughs> People don't necessarily agree. But but for those people listening, including myself, what do you do when you do care what people think too much and it's stopping you? Because that's also a problem. How do you sort of work with your clients to get past that? I mean, I, I think it's, I really love what you said that you shouldn't care what everybody thinks, but if specific people who you admire or people that you actually really want to learn from have a good opinion on it, you know, it's like when you start a business, you shouldn't talk to people who haven't started a business, talk to people who've been in the in the grind and be doing it for themselves, get their opinion. But what Mm. about when you really do care about what people say and that's actually stopping you from doing the stuff that you need to really do? Yeah, I mean, the first point is to to ask yourself that question of does that person's opinion matter? And if it does, and you can, if you have access to them, go and speak to them, you know, go and say. And that's tough, but you do that a few times and you'll find out that, especially in the entrepreneurial world, man, like people... The most important thing that a great entrepreneur will tell a great entrepreneur is try. Just give it the shot. Um, it's the only way that anything is going to happen if you actually take that action. When it's a, an abstraction, like a, a group of people that you don't really have access to, that you're comparing yourself to, 
you know, you've got to question why you want to compare yourself to them. Can't, I think it was John Acuff that was talking about don't compare your beginning to somebody else's middle. Mm. You know, people do that a lot and they forget what it's like to actually be on that journey instead. But ultimately, it's about surrounding yourself with people who are going to support you. This is why I'm such a fan of like mastermind groups. I'm such a fan of accountability because when you go through that journey with somebody else, it's massively powerful. There are a lot of people, a lot of naysayers that will bring you down. What happens a lot as well is that people at some level sometimes want you to fail because when they see that you're trying to do something that's really important to you, it can cast up in their minds about, well, actually, I want to do something that's important and I'm not and I'm afraid. And if they fail, then that justifies my inaction. Like there's, and that not at a conscious 100%. level. I know at, it's at, not, at, is even it? Even at a subconscious level, you know, there's not, they're not doing it out of malevolence. It's their brain trying to protect their self-identity. So there's a lot of that stuff going on. You need to be around the people that are saying, yeah, you can do it and we'll do it together. And if you screw up, I'm going to be there for you. And if I screw up, you're there for me. I think that's really important. Mm, yeah, I really love that differentiation there because we've all done it. We've all given advice from the goodness of our heart, but coming from a place of fear that maybe we've experienced it before, we don't want that person sure. to go through it versus where are they at right now with the resources that they have and the experience that they have? How can I give them my best opinion or advice based on that and not take my own personal kind of experiences in unless they're really, really relevant? So let's switch into something that I do love talking about, which is your superpowers and uncovering them and discovering them. This is why this podcast is called Untapped. How do you tap into your potential? And I believe that we do all have innate potential in us. And we also all have an unfair advantage, which is being us. Like we are the only person that is exactly like us on this world, on this Mm. planet. And that in itself is a really great start. But what do you help, I guess, or how do you go about helping people finding and leveraging their unique set of abilities that are actually programmed into their brain? Because I, I just don't feel enough people see themselves for who they are or how others see them. And they're constantly kind of, I do, people tell me this all the time, they're criticizing themselves or they're not celebrating themselves enough just because they just can't see how special and awesome they are. Sure. Sure. I mean, look, we've got a huge problem. I mean, we won't have time for a single podcast to talk about all the problems <laughs> in the educational system around this. But like that price of um, education being remember all of these things and pass this exam and whatever else. I know that there'll be changes now, but it's not fundamentally changed. The whole question about who are you? What do you really want? What's the soft skill that more often not? Like, how do you think is really a powerful question. And People are just not asked that. You know, it's what do you know is the benchmark that we take way too far into things. And then you start, that means that you start to draw really strange comparisons. Like the the key thing with superpowers is like everybody can get into that flow state. I'm not a fan of like hacking into flow. I see that sometimes, but the flow state where you are connected to everything. You are connected to the thing you're doing. Time distorts. You're totally focused. You're totally energized. Like everybody has that. And if you, I don't know if you're familiar with the Jungian archetypes. Do you know Carl Jung's archetypes? I know enough to be dangerous, so please do clarify. (laughs) So yeah, he's basically talking about people have these archetypes inside their head about like how they think and almost like what their life mission is. Mm -hmm. And some of them are dialed up more than others. So like you've got a ruler type archetype, which is somebody who 
has a mission and they, they're almost like a, a benevolent leader. There's like a mission behind that um, that they want to create something that's quite big. I think that a lot of the sort of growth entrepreneurs and like really good CEOs of that type of archetype. Now, that is a, a perspective on what's important on the world and like a life mission. That's not about what you know. Like you need the knowledge and the skills and experience as well. But this is something that is core that they've, they've found out that's what they want to do. You've got another archetype, which is the hero. So the hero wants to be on like finite, exciting missions and small teams and go and create big impacts somewhere. Like it's another completely different lens on the world. Now, the, the Myers-Briggs test, which is a personality type test, which a lot of people have taken. And if they haven't, that's a good place to start to understand more about how you think and what your superpowers might be. But that was based on the Jungian archetypes because, like, for your listeners, Carl Jung is a tough read. <laughs> the guy, mm-hmm. the guy is, is not a page turner. Um, <laughs> but the principle behind that is massively powerful. So if people want to try and understand their, their superpowers, I do think Myers-Briggs is a really great way to just open that door because a lot of the time you take your superpowers for granted. Like you don't even know that it's a superpower because it's just such a natural thing for you to see the world that way, you know, to be really great with people or to be a fantastic strategist or some sort of other manual skill. Like the things that you've got, you take them for granted because it feels like cheating because it's almost so easy. So a Myers-Briggs type and then go if you want to go a bit deeper, look at Carl Jung's archetypes and just start to see what actually resonates with you. I think they are. There are two sort of top tips that I would give on understanding your superpowers. Perfect. I'll share those in the in the podcast post. Incidentally, what is your Myers Briggs? Well, what are your what's your Myers Briggs profile? So I'm an INTJ. Ah, are you? Okay. Yeah. An interesting mix there. Yeah. So see, I I'm a big. I know some people don't like Myers Briggs because they think it's about putting you in a box. It's mm-hmm. not. I mean, it's about just saying, are you these things? Like, think about it. Think about how you think and how you see the world and look at what your opposite sees look at the way that they look at the world then you can start to understand and build your teams up but when we talked about entrepreneurial types like the INTJ I don't make a great big entrepreneur because I do like a master plan but I want it crystallized pretty quickly so the reason I'm successful with the entrepreneurs that I work with is I can corral some of their thinking into a master plan structure that's why we create these great combinations. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's about how we think. Those guys are going, let's take all these opportunities. This is really exciting. Let's go and engage all the people. And I'm going, right, we're not doing this, this, and this. Because <laughs> if you want to do this really well, this is how we're going to structure that stuff together. Yeah. And then once, once they're in a frame, then they can start to look at that again, tweak it mm-hmm. and change it. So it's so important to understand how you think. I can't emphasize that enough. And we don't get asked that question enough. We don't. So I'm the I'm an ENFP. So for those listening who don't know, that's an extrovert intuition, feeling and perception. So I'm like the big picture thinker. I have a lot of ideas, but I can actually act on them, create and implement them. But I always find it helpful to have another strategist on board to like just refine it and dial it in and keep it on track, which is really, really helpful. I think it is very, very worthwhile. Your type is the one that I interact well with. EN, yes, I figured as much. <laughs> EN, ENTPs, ENFPs, because you'll go and engage the people. 
I'm way too intense. You know, I'm like the worst networker in, in the world because the, <laughs> the first thing I want to know is what's, what are you most passionate about in the world? What, what are you doing to create impact in the world? That's not a great icebreaker at a networking event usually. But yeah, I love people like you that will go out and engage people that are excited about those different opportunities. Yeah, you, you guys are the game changers. I'm not just saying that. I, I really think you are the ENFP and ENTP types. It's, uh, it's very special. Thank you. But I think all of them obviously have their role. And as you say, you don't pigeonhole yourself into it, but knowing how you turn up to situations, yeah, is so important. And I've used it in teams over the years and companies and businesses with friends. It's really, really helpful to know. And just to also just remember sometimes how you're coming across to somebody who might be on a completely different plane or level to you and how you can better Mm. relate to them. It's really important. So I guess just one more thing that I would, would love to touch on with you is We've talked a little bit about it here, but using these Myers-Briggs and the Carl Jung's archetypes, which is really important. Mm. And I also love wealth dynamics from an entrepreneurial yeah. point of view and strength yeah. finder. I mean, I mentioned a lot of these in my Freedom Plan book. I think I give about four or five because I do think it's important for people to understand who they are and also how they come across and how they can interact with others and understand others. Mm. But a big part of that is understanding how you make decisions, right? And how do mm. you make great decisions and improve your odds. Now, I I find it pretty easy to make decisions generally because I follow my gut, but it's typically backed up by some good understanding and hindsight and knowledge from previous experiences, good or bad. Like I try to keep an open mind, but I make decisions incredibly quickly. And I know that's not that normal. A lot of my friends Mm -hmm. say that to me, like, how did you do that? And I was like, well, because I just, you know, I'm all about taking action, but it's not Mm -hmm. that it's really, sometimes it's off the cuff, but typically it's backed up by things that have helped me to get to that decision really quickly. So Mm. what do you see when it comes to how entrepreneurs go about decision-making? How can they do a better job of that? Because it is probably the thing that we end up doing most, and it's really important. If you're continuing to make shitty decisions, it's going to really impact you. Yeah, I mean, you know, it depends how you define a bad decision. This Mm, is what I mean about those, those types. So... And I'm going to generalize here. So NPs on the Myers-Briggs scale can typically take uh, more decisions because they're not as fearful of the ultimate consequence. Like the J-type thinks there is definitely a right answer. So they will sort of, "Mm, not yet, not yet. Or, you know, they'll have a lot of decision angst before it because they believe there's like a perfect answer, particularly TJs like me. And that is a superpower to be able to go actually, you know, we can delay this because we can put a bit more structure around that. But like I say, it just depends what what is a bad decision. No decision, well, it's not always the case that like no decision is uh, worse because sometimes, you know, you've, you've got to go with that. But I think the whole thing is about trust, trust in yourself. You've got to at some point lean into your identity. And for some people that is more scary and grates against them more than others. But when you go around those hero's journey loops, when you do the first one, just like just take the first step. All you need to do is take whatever the next step is and then stop and like reevaluate. What would you say is a, a poor decision? What do you think is? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's often for me, a poor decision is no decision. So like I do see people who I will meet them and a year later, they'll still be thinking on this thing. Sure. So to me, they've wasted so much time in that time. They've beaten themselves up. They've maybe stopped something, doing something else in this effort to maybe think about this thing. So 
I know that seems a bit more, no, I think that's a very specific example. A, a poor decision in my mind is not making a decision one way or the other. Mm. And then another thing for me is, I know you want an example, but is you make a decision and then you go back on it. I mean, we're all capable of doing that. It's our prerogative to yeah. do that. But also just sometimes sticking with a decision and backing yourself, even if it feels a bit uncomfortable or challenging at first, because mm. that's important too, is to really stand behind your word and go forth with something that you've decided on. Give it a chance. like Give it some time to actually make that decision worthy of the choice that you made. Versus I think some people make it and then they'll instantly regret it, but they don't have the data or the facts yet to see whether it was a good decision or a bad decision. Yeah. Yeah. Look, your brain is incredibly poor at um, remembering a previous version of itself. You know, there is no restore button. So if you can look back at a decision and say, you know, three months later, all right, that wasn't a good decision. It doesn't matter three months, a week your brain cannot remember what it was like in that moment. It'll trick you and say, oh yeah, you knew this at the time, or this was obviously going to be a bad decision, but it wasn't. There isn't a restore point in your brain. You just have to go with, I am making the best decision that I can in this circumstance and that I want to make the decision. When I was talking about no decision, like making an active choice about this isn't the right time to make the decision and letting it go, Mm. that's different from the indecision of, Oh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to make it. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to and not do that because you're just like, you're just wearing yourself totally out. Again, if you're in that situation, your brain, everything about you is saying, make that decision. You know, if yeah. you're agonizing over it and you're wondering, should I make it? Should I not? And that's lasting a year. <laughs> then the evidence is there to say, make that decision. Mm-hmm. It's the fear that's getting in the road there. And again, yeah. this is why you need people around you to go, it's okay. I'll be there. If this doesn't work for you, it's okay. I'll be there. Mm-hmm. And most people are not we're, not, we're not talking about decisions, you know, should I trek across the Antarctic in my shorts? <laughs> you know, we're talking about like, you know, just the next step decision. It's not yeah. those big, ridiculous out there swim with sharks efforts. It's just that, am I going to be brave enough to take the next step? Yeah. And to do that, sometimes you need a whole new network around you to be able to, to make that first step. But certainly somebody to support you on the journey. So I think that's what is getting in the road of people making decisions. They know they want to do it. They do. And I think you've just hit on it, which is break that big decision down into a series of micro decisions. So mm. in order for that to be true, what do I, you know, what's the decision I need to make today that will take me a step closer to that? And just just deal with one small decision that will often, once you've made it, catapult you or set the kind of the ball rolling for all the others and make a lot of them easier. I've just been going through the art of developmental coaching. So it's the first time I'm actually going through a certification of becoming a coach and it's really fascinating. And one of the things that they taught in this week's session, which I'm really into, but I guess haven't asked enough of is how does that make you feel? So, you know, you get somebody to talk about something that they may be challenged by and set an intention for what is the thing that you are wanting to get clear on or get clarity Mm -hmm. on. And then ask them how they actually feel about it. Not just, oh, you know, I feel joy or happiness, but no, no, in your body, what are you feeling when you're talking about this right now? And I find that really fascinating between kind of the throat through down to the gut, because I'm a big believer in guts, but sometimes you hold that tension in your chest. Sometimes it is in your throat. Sometimes it's in your stomach and beyond really, but those are the key places. And I, I loved it because it was fascinating. They did a live coaching on the call of somebody who was trying to make a decision around buying a house or renting, you know, that whole freedom, free spirit versus 
making a financial security kind of decision. <laughs> and she's sure. like, you know, where are you feeling it? And she's like, well, my heart is like raised and, and energetic, but my throat is doing this pendulum swing, which was fascinating. So just a lot of energy happening around that area. And as they talked through the options and she got her to sense into it, she's like, so when you come back to that intention of buying this house, which was a decision she had to make at four hours later that day, now what are you feeling? And it was fascinating because as human beings, we want to immediately go to, well, this. So I think that means, she's like, no, no, don't try and get the meaning out of it. Just how is it feeling now? And it was fascinating. The minute she kind of focused in on the thing that she was grappling with, it, it, it stopped swinging and it just felt very in line with her heart. And so she knew in that moment, okay, that's the decision that I actually want to make. I found that I just, I think that was such a fascinating example and so great to be able to bring that into your coaching practice, but also for anybody who's listening to this to do that, to sense check. And how do you, how are you feeling? What is the sensation going on in you? Because I've had times when they talk about fear with that, there's good fear, healthy fear. And then there's that fight or flight, like get the heck out of there because somebody might, you know, your life might be in danger versus a little bit of butterflies because you're excited versus a deep innate, like my whole body is reacting to this. I am dead scared. Like it's good to listen to that stuff. So I'd love to know just if you've experienced that yourself or whether you do use some of that with your clients as well. The the honest answer is no, but I will be. Now you might. Yeah. 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 Yeah, No, I think think that's um, really interesting to think about like what's actually going on. Because it's, I think what's what I love about that is the depth of the experience of that moment. Mm. I think there's, it's quite easy when you're in those decisions. And again, it is about like breaking those things down. But like when you're in those decisions, that it feels overwhelming. And actually, like staying with it and exploring what's going on biologically with you allows you to stay with it a bit longer without it, you know, crushing you the, the weight of the decision crushing you, or you feeling stuck because it's, I don't know, it just seems to deepen your experience of what's actually going on. I really like that. Mm. It is so important. Somebody said something to me at the start of this year, and it's so simple, but it's really stuck with me. We're human beings. We're not human doings. And I think so much of the time we're in our head thinking and then we're acting and doing, right? Which is a great Mm. place to be Mm. to to get stuff done and to move. But how often are we not actually sensing on how we're feeling about all this? And I just, I think that's hugely important, especially as somebody who's quite instinctive and, and really listens into the heart, head and mind, and probably used to be way more focused on my thinking and my head. And these days listen in a lot more to the rest of me. So it's great to be able to know this is how I want to use it coaching clients as well. Yeah, no, I love it. I think it's a really good thing to take forward. And I would say I am quite focused on like the thinking and like my style is very much big framework subtractions, bring them down into concrete, right? What we do and let's keep mm-hmm. going. And certainly in the, you know, in earlier, probably speaking honestly, in, in earlier coaching days, it was about like pushing, like you're here to make progress. Come on, come on, let's mm-hmm. go, let's go. Why else? Why, why are we working if we're not going to do that? But those moments of, there's somebody I know that talks about the living present, you know, like what is actually happening in, in this moment that we live in? Because the moment that we're in just now, our version of the past changes, you know, our interpretation of all of that changes as our living present goes forward. You know, the way you see an event a year in the past could be different a week on from where you are now, you know, because something else has happened and it shapes the way that you interpret that. It shapes your future. And it is about coming back to the present. I, I don't know about like in a, the, like a meditative way, though. Do you know, I've never really got that much from meditation, but where it's purposeful, like what you're talking about, like really um, using it to process something and experience in the moment more I think that's really powerful I'm definitely going to look into that 
Yeah, cool. I'm glad. And thanks for being honest as well. We're not saying you haven't used it as much. I'm sure dealing with mindset all the time, people do are thinking in their head, but it's as much about how you're feeling along with what you're thinking. And I will just say for those listening as well, and to you, like do stick with meditation because I've had a real late road with it. But even when I'm just doing five to 10 minutes and, and don't feel I'm being effective, I actually really do notice the effect for the rest of the day, even if it's just in taking a pause before I react to something or say something and just being a little bit more present and mindful. And then as you go deeper into it, it's incredible. So I will just say it is something I'd love for everybody to give a really good shot and stick with and keep going with. And a a particularly great book on this front that I'm listening to right now that's helped me even more appreciate it is The Surrender Experiment. So look that up and have a listen. It's a great audio book about this guy's life, but pretty much through meditation and just surrendering to what decisions were being made around him and going with the flow, just what happened to his life and how it all fell into place. It's really amazing. Cool. You know, I was away on like a Buddhist retreat and things. I've tried it. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work particularly well for me. What I really liked about it was there was a, a time when we were doing it, you know, was, I was away, it was a silent retreat and all of this stuff as well. There was a, a session where we were talking about it as a way to actually to sit with a challenge and to slow your thinking down and really consider like, what is actually going on in this moment and because of the mind that I have the type of thinking I've got it is about okay got that next got that next yeah I've thought about that let's go using meditation and like that type of meditation to really slow things down but it always has to be then purposeful for me it's just it's maybe part of where mm-hmm. I'm on my journey with it as well at the yeah. moment you know because yeah. I'm always trying to explore things but yeah it's it's always got to have a purpose for me that's when it's powerful yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's also really good to note, like over the years, what does work for you and what doesn't, and keep doing more of mm. the things that do work for you. And keep over time, yeah, because over time you develop your own little ritual and the frameworks and habits and tools that work for you, and you can discard the rest. So it's, I think that's really powerful as well. Joe, this has been such a delight. I'm sure we could continue the conversation for ages, but I hope <laughs> the people have taken a lot out of this. They've got some great tips and things that they can come back to and go, great, that's a different way to approach fear. That's awesome around decision-making. Okay, great to know that around the hero's journey. I thought that was mm. an awesome example. I know you post a lot on LinkedIn. You share some really mm. great videos on there. Where else can people get in touch with you and learn more about Joe and your work? If they go to mindsetexperts.co.uk, that's the core website. The only channel that I'm on is LinkedIn. I just, Perfect. for me, you've got to focus on what is the channel that you like. I'm not on Facebook, Twitter, not like or Instagram. I'm not um, good looking enough to be on Instagram. So you know, there's <laughs> just all these. Um, we're not as ble- we're not all as blessed as you, Natalie. All right. <laughs> yeah. So like the content's on LinkedIn, and um, I'm I'm always happy to to talk to new people and you know get engaged, hear what people are up to not a hard sell guy it's about you know I help a certain um, set of people and if I'm the right guy I'm the right guy and if not then no problem you know so yeah I would love to hear from anybody about you know what they're up to and what their perspectives are on mindset and development yeah and I really appreciate you being so focused and knowing and understanding where your audience is a little bit jelly actually because sometimes I look at all the platforms and having been a social media maven for so long it's like an inbuilt habit to be not everywhere, but the places that I know I want to be and also work really well. But I do mm. also super appreciate people focus on one platform that really is where their ideal customers are so they can be putting their time and energy into the most important thing. That's the power of yeah. exceptionalism. 
Yeah, again, it's, it's whatever works for people. You know, I always say that it's not about how can it be done, it's how can you do it. If you're, and you, you can only work that out if you understand yourself. I'm not that kind of interactive thing on um, Facebook and Twitter. And that youth. It's just not, it's not me. So you, well, if you understand yourself, then you can understand, you know, how you're going to leverage these things around about you in an authentic way, you know. That was like a visceral reaction. I've got to ask you a cheeky question. Where did you feel that yeah. when you were talking about that in your body? Like, where did that, was that like a, uh, was that a knot in your stomach when you were thinking about all those other platforms? Yeah, I would say, I would say it was uh, stomach related. You know, the, the inauthenticity of trying to be on uh, Facebook, um, yeah, yeah, torturous. Uh, 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 just for me, like all yeah. I'm saying is you've got to find yeah. your own way. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, I remember like, people saying, I follow you on Twitter. Well, cool, because I've not posted anything there in six years. I need to close that account down, you know. So stick to your channels, people. It may be all of them, but uh, stick to your channels. I love it. Thank you. Wise words, Joe, and being such a pleasure having you on the show. Cool. Great speaking to you too, Natalie. Thanks a lot. So, first off, how great is Joe's accent? And second off, how awesome was that conversation? And even that I got to share a little bit of insight from my new coaching skills that I've been picking up through the art of developmental coaching. I've actually since tried that on quite a few of my clients and it's been really fascinating to let them sit with how they're feeling and where they're feeling the stickiness or the block or the actual insight that is garnered inside them. So I'm really glad that Joe and I could discuss that there and that he liked that as a tool. I'll be sharing more of this in my book, Suck It Up Princess, because I almost see this podcast as a journey to creating some of the juicy conversations that I want to share in the book and on the topics that I think are most important to having real life strategies to get out of your own way and be the heroine of your own life and use those superpowers. So if you've been enjoying the Untapped podcast, thank you for listening in. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being at the other end of this conversation, because even though I'm speaking into a mic and looking at a wall or a screen or my whiteboard or a beautiful calendar that I have over there, It's you that I really feel I'm talking to every single time I jump on and record a solo episode or bring in somebody to serve you. So if there are topics that you want to hear about, please let me know. Tag me at Natalie Sisson on Instagram or just DM me there. Find me on Facebook, Natalie Sisson. On Twitter, Natalie Sisson. You're starting to get the trend here. On YouTube, Natalie Sisson. I'm in all those places for you. You can just shoot me an email, natalie at nataliesisson.com. Couldn't make it any easier for you, could I? And I genuinely mean that. Please do get in touch. In the meantime, come across to nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast. Look out for episode number 63 or just search on Joe Trodden. It'll be right there. As you land on that page, you'll be able to listen straight in, go to the show notes. Any links that we've talked about will be in there. And then you can share that link with your friends who need to hear this episode. That would That would be the best thing that you could do to show some kindness in return for this episode and this podcast. For now, I just want you to tap into your potential and have an amazing week ahead. Go do it.